Yeah, as Jason was praying there, I just felt um, something, just something in, in, uh, in the spirit about you know, being risk takers, being risk averse, um, wanting to do the right thing for each other. And, and I felt God was, God was saying to some people that, that you've never quite understood why you think certain things. You've never quite come to grips with uh, the logic behind the position you've taken, uh, and, and particularly COVID has, has brought some things to, to a head. Um, but sometimes, whether we're risk-takers or risk-averse people, that's not to do with uh, a, a legitimate point of view. It, it's, to, it's to do with a response to a worldly situation. And God is saying to us that he wants us to have revelation that we live our lives not by responding in the natural to a worldly situation, but we live our lives responding to the voice of God to us as individuals. Um, so I believe that's, that's a word for some people. Um, and it's not about just, well, I'm living in fear because I'm, I'm worried about the world and, and God is saying to me, you know, he, he wants me to align to, to his view and understand that he's overall. It's, it's, not, it's not a world for one end of a spectrum. It, it's a word that I believe goes out to, to us as a community, regardless of whether we're in this zone or this zone or this zone. The word is that as people were called not to, not to form our opinions, not to form the basis of the decisions that we make about what we're going to do in life based on our own perception of what we can see, taste, hear, touch, smell, understand, get our heads round, but instead we're to live called by a spirit, the spirit of God, the inner guide that, that illuminates our life. Uh, and we live differently from the world. We process differently from the world. We, we live by a different value system. And that more or less connects me to, to starting to speak this morning. So my name's Mark. Uh, I'm, I'm privileged to be part of the leadership here at Jubilee. And I'm also privileged to be able to speak twice in this series. The series is called This Is Us. Uh, I've loved this series. It's, it's, to me, it's a series that just keeps on giving. We've been talking about who we are, our identity as... as you know, Dan, Dan uses really like nice and um, modern words like he says, you know, we are a gathered people. Um, I just keep remembering the old TV advert that used to say it's good to be together. I think it was for British Telecom or something back in the 1980s. But we're, we're not an individualistic group of people. It's not like me and Jesus uh, and I'm following. It's... it's me and Jesus connected to a body of believers. And, and this whole series about being a corporate body, being a group of people that are connected, connected together. And we're a local expression of something which has a worldwide expression, the Church of Christ. Uh, so what, what a great series to talk about who we are in the Church of Christ. And today we're going to be looking at the fact that we are a generous people. The whole of today's message is anchored in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, which I, 
I found quite hard to get my head around. I found reasonably challenging to understand. There's a lot in there, and it's quite a lengthy chunk of Scripture. So we're not going to, we're not going to read it together today. If we did, we'd do little else. Uh, but I recommend it to you to, to go and to read through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, because all that I'm going to say is anchored in those Scriptures. And today, I'm going to take us through that we, God's people, are urged to show godly generosity. Generosity to meet the needs of each other. And it's part and parcel of who we are as Christians in community. Basically this, God's people are givers. Um, in the culture we live, that makes us different. You know, the culture we live in is not a culture of, of people meeting each other's needs so that no one is in want. However, that doesn't give Christians the monopoly on being generous. The world's full of great examples of generosity. But there's a tangible difference between a worldly generosity, which is admirable. There is a tangible difference between that and the way in which we, as part of a faith community, operate in godly generosity. I'm going to explain that the root of our generosity is, is basically this. Because God is gracious to me, I can be a giver. It's, it's as simple as that. It's effectively, it's who we are, it's not what we do. You know, we talk about Christians, like we say, we can forgive because we are forgiven. And the same principle applies in the area of generosity. We can be generous because we have received from Christ. And then, generosity is not just meeting each other's need, but it's also a sign of the kingdom of God. It's, it's something that, that brings about a different kingdom. It introduces the kingdom of God into a culture that is opposed, uh, and, and it's something that is greater, so it cuts through. Normally, I'd say, like, it's really good to, to, to respond today. I think just sit really still. Try not to even breathe or blink, and then you might just about manage to survive the heat because uh, it's quite warm. So, so this scripture, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it's, it's a message from Paul to the church in Corinth. And these two chapters are talking about giving and giving generously and giving into particularly into giving to an offering that's been taken up for another church. And it's effectively Paul saying, let me have a little chat with you about giving. You know, if, uh, if parents like, like call their children over and they say, let me just have a little chat with you about sharing, it, it normally means that that kid is not doing very well in that area. It, effectively, Paul's saying, I'm going to have a little word in your shell. Um, the Corinthians are not doing very well in, the, in this area. So, so the context is that Paul is talking about a relief collection. The Corinthian church, along with some other churches, are collecting money to send to the people, of the Jewish heritage Christians who are in Jerusalem, who, who, are, who are in severe hardship. Uh, in this case, in this case, it is about money, you know, in, in the context of the passages, because... The church in Corinth is in Greece. The, the Christians in Jerusalem are in Israel. They can hardly send over a casserole one night a week to support them through this difficult time. So 
I, I didn't realise that was good. <laughs> It, it, it did entertain me when I came up with it. <laughs> I'm glad it blessed at least me and Kay. Um, but, I mean, the point is this. Generosity is giving to meet someone else's needs. And, and in the particular verses we're reading, it's all about money. It's all about currency. Because that's what can travel overseas easily. But in a local context, I just wouldn't ever want us to read this scripture and, and then interpret generosity in, in the, the lens of cash. Generosity is giving to meet other people's needs. Next week, we're going to watch a prayer video about the situation in South Africa, and, and we'll be stirred. There's not a lot we can do apart from pray and send money. Um, but when we're in a close-knit community... Generosity is simply how we use our time, our energy, and our resources to bless each other and to meet each other's needs. So Paul here is asking the Corinthian church to give generously to the Christians in Jerusalem. That's the context. Um, but there's a backstory. The Corinthians had excelled in this area of spirituality, in this area of the collective life, but Paul's been away from them and for a year and a half or so, and all sorts of different ideas are permeating them. Uh, and there's, there's some attitudes that are creeping up in their body. And Paul, in these two passages, he's not just teaching about generosity, but he's also addressing some issues in, the, in, in those people. And if you read it, there might be one or two phrases that jar with you. Like there's a phrase where it says, uh, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for your generous gift that you promised. In other words, he's like saying, I'm sending the heavies round because I think you're going to go soft on this deal to go and help out those guys in Jerusalem. Um, that's, not, that's not how God speaks to us uh, when our heart is right with him. Um, that, that is a particular word to a particular people at a particular time. But... Uh, as well as those particular words, there's something timeless in, the, in these passages. So, God's people, you and me, we are givers. You know, that, that is our DNA. It's, it's, it's a given. It's simply a given. You know, if we, if we look at uh, Matthew 23, 23, which I think we have on a slide, but if we look at that, even when Jesus is talking to a legalistic group and, and effectively poking fun of them and saying, you are ridiculous, even in that particular vignette, he's still saying, but you give. You know, woe to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites, you tithe a tenth of your spices, the mint, the dill, the cumin, the anise. Uh, but you forget, it's actually all about justice and mercy. Uh, but then he says this, he says, um, you should do the former without neglecting the latter. You know, it's just simply throughout the Bible, it's an assumption that God's people will be people that give from what they've received from the Lord. They will give back and, and from, from what they give back, that will be to meet the needs of each other. 
It talks in the passages we're looking at today in 2 Corinthians 8.13. It says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. You know, it's just simply saying we give. Not, not so that we're impoverished, so someone else can live a lavish lifestyle, but we give from what we've received so we all might be blessed. And, you know, we, we, we preach the word of God as best we understand it and as best as it's revealed to us. That, that's what we do, you know. As, as a church, we don't talk negatively about other streams of Christianity. Uh, that's, not, that's not what we're about. We're about being builders in the body of Christ. But I can't help, I can't help when we get to this area see wrong teaching and, and have to comment on it. The heart of giving is to support each other. And in a Christian community, if, if, uh, if people speak to them and talk about you need to give for the person on the platform to lead a lavish lifestyle, I can't see that in Scripture. And therefore... I can only call it a wrong teaching. You know, a community, a body of Christ, uh, people connected by the Spirit. The idea of people in poverty giving to fund a lavish platform lifestyle of those in ministry, I see no basis for that in the Word of God. It doesn't mean those people aren't Christians. It doesn't mean those people aren't extending the kingdom of God. But in that area of what they say, I see no basis for it. It's not how we operate. It's not, it's not how the whole of, of regions beyond works. It's, it's not something we see in the scriptures. It's about being given to support each other. And that is just the assumption throughout the Bible. God's people are givers. That doesn't mean that other people are not givers, that other people are therefore all selfish and holding on and not looking out for the needs of other people. But it does mean that we represent a different culture. We don't live in a generous culture. We don't live in a culture where the whole uh, way money is handled is to support and help each other. So there's a slide that we're going to have a look at. I love graphs. Not everybody does. But I do. Some people say, can't you just use words? But this slide, to me, it's, it's like looking at two pictures, one on top of the other. So to different extents, we're aware that the culture we live in is not equally supportive. It's not a utopian state where everybody's in it for each other. We, we represent a different culture to the, the culture that we live in. So, so the graph shows us that food bank parcels uh, are given out more and more each year. And in the last year, uh, 2,500,000 food bank parcels were given out in the UK. And we can look at that and we can say, there's great inequality in the UK. And, and other statistics, you know, we can say that 44% of all the wealth in this country is owned by 10% of the people. The 
the bottom 50% of people in terms of wealth, between them, the bottom half of this UK population, only have 9% of the UK wealth. So there's great inequality. And that, that graph shows us that inequality um, or food poverty is increasing. And the need has increased over the last 10 years. And we live in a society that is not generous. But we're also part of this society. We're part of Great Britain and communities of believers across the country and people who are non-Christians but understand something of the nobleness of giving are also operating at the same time. So, so you look at that graph and you see that the need is, is increasing, but you also look at that graph and you say, but there's a provision taking place. There's, there's a whole set of people working with the Trussell, Trussell Trust that are delivering two and a half million food packages. And, and you've got this clash of the kingdoms. You've got this culture where there's great need, but you've also got this culture where some of that need is being met. And, and what I want us to get hold of today is this is the power of moving in generosity. That culture of not meeting each other's needs, that culture, that worldly culture of, you know, get what you can, and then can what you get, and then sit on your can. That culture, this culture comes on top of it and replaces it because it's more powerful. In giving, in showing generosity, we show that there's a better way to live. In giving from what we've got, in supporting each other through who we are because Christ gave his life for us and has freed us to do this act of kindness, this act of service. In doing so, we prophetically demonstrate there's a different way to live. There's a different culture that people can be part of. So, we're in a culture that is not generous. That doesn't mean that, that people do not show great acts of generosity. And in the last year, the majority of adults in the UK will have made a charitable donation. Um, but I'm really challenged because sometimes I, I look at people outside of the church and they seem to me to be more generous than people inside the church. And I look at business people who set up charitable foundations and I think that's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. But, and, and there is something there, you know, we're, we're humans, we're made in the image of God, and even if we're not in step with God and following God in our life, there's something in us, there's something in the makeup of a human that knows right from wrong, that knows good from bad, that knows what nobleness is. But trying to do that without being permeated by the Spirit of God is not easy. In fact, it's not possible. So, so on the one hand, you look at someone who's a business person who sets up a charitable foundation, and you think, that's fantastic. That's so selfless. But when you scratch under the surface, you think, but why is it so selfless? Rather than give what they have to somebody else, even to the state, and say, I just want to help people take this resource that is mine and do what you want with it to support others. Rather than do that, 
People set up their own charity, so they are in control of who is blessed. So even in the act of trying to do good, the fact that we're broken people breaks through. The fact that we're broken means that even if we try to do good, aside from God, we can't do good in a sacrificial and selfless way. There's an element of self. There's an element of self. And, and, even, and, and it's noble. And I, I mean, I'm not talking it down. I'm talking it up. But there's an element of selflessness which is missing. So our generosity is a different type of generosity. It's, it's tangibly different. It's, it's got a different dimension. And that dimension is, of course, faith. And the root of our generosity is founded in grace. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. You know, he meets our needs. He put our needs above himself. And in doing so, we can receive by grace that glorious gift. And, and then we can choose to put the needs of others above our own. So when we give, you know, the root of it is we've received grace. And when we give, it's an act of grace. It's an expression of thanks, you know, in a... 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it calls it the grace of giving. In, in 9, 12, it says, The service that we perform not only supplies the needs of the Lord's people, but also it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. You know, we do, we do give to meet need. You know, we have appeal to meet need, to, to, to reach out to each other, to reach out to the faith community around the world. But also, simply sometimes, it's just an expression of thanks to God. We give back because he's given to us. Uh, it's, it's a collective. It's not an individualistic. It's a collective you know, it talks about earnestness and love, supplying the need of the Lord's people. You know, this whole scripture today is talking about a whole community coming together and supporting another whole community of faith. And that's why we give. And they're the hallmarks of why we give. But at the same time as, as we don't give to get, we, we give because God has given to us. We give to meet need. As we give, we do receive. So the law of sowing and reaping operates in giving. You know, the law of sowing and reaping is this. Uh, in, you know, it tells in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Um, you know... The, the Bible's full of pastoral images. You know, if, if it was written now, it would be full of different images. But if you're a farmer, if you don't sow many seeds, then you won't get a particularly big harvest because the potential is just not there. If you sow heavily, if you put more seed in, 
then you will get more harvest out. It's, it's, a, a simple, it's a simple fact. It's a simple natural law. But the final thing, and for me, you know, the thing which is our focus today is, is all of that. All of that is what we're called to do. But as we do that, something else happens. As we do that, it affects people's perception of the church. And as people see the church, the people, us, this community, people begin to see through the individuals, through Mark, through Andy, through Mark, and they see Jesus. It says in 9.13, because of the service by which, uh, by which you've proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everything else. You know, there's a phrase I love, which is a kingdom counterculture. You know, we looked at that graph and that Trussell Trust stuff, and in this room, we'll have some left-wing people and some right-wing people. We'll have some centre people politically. And, and you can look at all sorts of things in society, and you can say, um, you know, oh, the left-wingers, they've got it all wrong. If we just had, like, a free market economy system, then it would be far better. Or these other people would say... No, they've got it all wrong. If it, was, if it was more based on Marxist principles, then it would work better and things would be more equal. Or the centre people would say, you know, Christians, whether they're left-wing or right-wing or centre, they don't come to society with the view that a political ideology is the solution. You know, we don't represent... And that's why in this room we have people who are left-wing and we have people who are right-wing because politically that is not the answer. We represent a whole different kingdom, a whole different way of living, a whole different way of being. And when we look at those statistics about poverty and about things and that, and the solution is not political. The solution is the kingdom of God. And we are the community that bring the kingdom of God into the here and now, into Hull, into the regions around Hull, and to the very ends of the earth. So we're going to finish there. I hope you captured the flavor. I feel like I was more coherent when I was planning, and then I got excited about some revelation and just wanted to try and share that with you and, and lost a bit of coherence. But, but I don't really care because... <laughs> It's, it's not the coherence I wanted to share. It's, it's that idea that through what we've received, as we exercise that spiritual service and that gift and that overflow of thanks of giving, we bring something into the here and now which allows God to be lifted up. So we're going to close in prayer. And my prayer is this, that we catch hold of something. We catch hold of something that we can take away with us that, that can change the way that we operate. And as we move into new areas of operation as individuals and as a collective, the impact that we have on society is increased. Lord, I want to thank you this morning that it all starts with your grace towards us. And that you, you have called us to be your ambassadors to this world. And, and us, in so many different ways, are able to be a community of faith,
that brings Jesus into this world. And I pray in this area, this area of how we handle our finances, our time and our energies, that we are able to truly represent a kingdom counterculture, a people whose first thought is for each other and whose second thought is for ourselves. And that in doing so, that in excelling in this area, we're able to highlight your greatness, your majesty, but more importantly, your accessibility to people. The fact that you are just one prayer away from any individual in society. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God.